This is episode 43 with Jason Borschau, founder and CEO of Abarca Health. You're listening to The Multiplier Effect, an Endeavor podcast. You really have to be unrelenting and stay positive because there's going to be many challenges on that path. Expand your comfort zone and explore bold new paths every day. If you want to do something better and different, you're going to have to put some risk and you're going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable and get uncomfortable being comfortable. Welcome back to The Multiplier Effect. Today, we are privileged to have Jason Borschau, founder and CEO of Abarca Health with us on the show. In 2019, he was selected as Puerto Rico's first Endeavor entrepreneur. And in 2018, EY named him Entrepreneur of the Year for the financial and insurance services segment. He started his career at Borschau Drug, which was founded by his grandfather in 1951 and acquired by Cardinal Health in 2008. Since then, he has launched and grown Abarca and two other successful healthcare enterprises and today on the show, he talks about how in order to attract and retain top talent, you need a strong and distinct employer brand, which he believes is an extension of the corporate culture. He also discusses the value of an extraordinary talent strategy team and the power of a positive culture, which sets Abarca apart from a lot of organizations in the healthcare space. Abarkans, as he calls his team, are encouraged to find new solutions, operate with full transparency, and focus on the experience. And many have thought it was too good to be true. But that's the Abarco way, and the results speak for themselves. So let's dive in. Jason, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We are privileged to have you share your insights with us today, and we're so happy to have you as part of the Endeavor Network. I believe you were the first selected Endeavor Entrepreneur of the Puerto Rico office back in 2019. Is that right? That, that's right, Jessica. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And it was my honor uh, to be the first but thankfully and very excitedly, not even close to the last Endeavor entrepreneur from Puerto Rico. That is very true. And of course, you know, in the Endeavor spirit of giving back, you've supported many of the other entrepreneurs along their journey in Puerto Rico and beyond. So we're excited to kick off this really important discussion with you today on topics of hiring. And to our listeners, this is what season three is really all about. You know, ensuring you have the right team in place to scale is vital to a founder's success. And Jason, you've built an incredibly sustainable and impressive culture at Abarca Health. So today we want to focus on how you've established a culture of excellence that encompasses your brand at a C-suite level and has nurtured every employee, ensuring optimal retention as well. Something you've shared before, and I'm cheating a little bit because I listened to an interview with you, (laughs) but you said talent breeds more talent, helping you create a virtuous cycle of good decisions made by talented individuals that will help you scale your business. And I absolutely love that. And I'm so excited for you to elaborate on the how-tos of that sentiment. But before we do that, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your journey to launching Abarca. My pleasure, Jessica. Abarca was founded 15 years ago when I was just out of college. And I really believed, and we still believe today, that there was a better way, a better way to work together, to connect with each other, and also to make healthcare awesome for everyone. You know, when, when, when we started Abarca, I don't think there were nearly as many health technology startups, health tech disruptors, however you want to call them, you know, in the, in the ecosystem. And it was kind of crazy to, to think that, you know, a small company from a place that, that, you know, Puerto Rico, where I'm actually from, had a chance to, to make an impact on such a large and established market was, was just crazy. So we really had the vision of making the kind of place where great talent would want to work and that everything else would come 
from that after. So it was less, initially it was less about the what we did, but really about why we did it and how we did it. So that, that's the beginning of the Barker story. I'd be happy to elaborate a little bit more. I mean, hitting more specifically on hiring for skill, what advice would you give to someone who is looking to build a corporate culture, you know, from a culture development perspective? Absolutely. For us, you know, our culture is probably our key differentiator in a space that grows increasingly crowded, both from large incumbents and, you know, new disruptors. It really starts with the CEO. It's, you know, culture starts from the top. The truth of the matter is one has to live the values and the purpose of the organization and model it so that everyone else in the organization can look up and say, okay, if the senior leadership, if the CEO, if the founder believes these things, then it's safe for me to take some risk and be vulnerable and maybe, you know, live something that could be a little bit of a stretch for me. For us at Abarca, culture is really the combination of two things. It's your purpose, your why, and your core values. Core values being those things that you believe in so deeply that they make you who you are and they determine how you do everything you do, how you hire, how you make decisions, right? How you bring people in and, and let people go from the organization, how you interact with your customers and your business partners. And so in, for many companies, culture and mission and vision is kind of a corporate thing that people do because they have to and because it sounds nice and maybe they bring in some consultants and sometimes they put them on the walls, but people don't really believe that. So, you know, it really starts with having that culture where there's the purpose or the values, right? The why and the how really reflect the essence of the organization and understand that your culture does evolve every time. Every time you bring in a new person in the organization, your culture evolves a little bit, but it doesn't change fundamentally. It can't, right? The culture is like a beautiful garden, right? Where you can add plants, you can prune, right? But at the end of the day, right? It's something that evolves and grows over time. So coming up with a purpose is something that really comes I think from the founder and from the leadership, and that's not a responsibility that the founder, you know, and the CEO can can delegate to others, right? Like it's, it's a fundamental part of leading, right? And so I don't, you know, in our in our desire to be inclusive, I think we should be careful about trying to farm out or delegate that that purpose conversation. The values, however, are not necessarily the values of the senior leader. They have to be aligned with the values of the senior leader because you know they have to be able to live them. But one's personal core values may not be the core values of the organization. The core values of the organization, that DNA, it really comes from the bottom up. And at Abarca, the way that we did this when we kind of codified our core values about six or seven years ago is we looked at those Abarcans that, in our view, really represented the best of what we saw in Abarca. We started writing down and describing like, well, what was it about those people and how they interacted. And after kind of a long process, you know, amongst the senior leadership team, you know, with these uh, role models throughout the organization at all levels, we were able to kind of distill uh, our core values. And when we when we kind of rolled these out to the organization, everybody said, "Wow, you captured us so beautifully and so authentically." And you know, everything that we do at Barco, every conversation is is around core values. You know, when someone is struggling, they go into a core values alignment plan. Right? We don't have performance improvement plans. You have you know core values alignment plan because your performance is actually captured in your living of the core values. You know, one of our core values and probably the most foundational one is is humble competence. Deliver what's needed to execute, grounded in humility and driven by purpose. You know, and so. 
when you say a culture of excellence, like the way we see it at Barca is that culture of humble confidence, finding that balance between confidence without overconfidence. I love that. What are some of the other core values? Could you share for our audience what the core values of a barca are? Absolutely. And, you know, I'm a little bit partial to them, <laughs> as you can imagine, <laughs> their core. And, you know, we talk about them all the time. So I'll give you the full description. I, I just shared the first one, which is, you know, humble competence, deliver what's needed to execute grounded in humility and driven by purpose. You know, that's complemented by what we call fire in the belly. And fire in the belly is, is someone who exudes contagious passion, positive energy, and an unrelenting will to succeed. The truth of the matter is, is that in a, in a business as complicated as healthcare, you really have to be unrelenting and stay positive because there's going to be many challenges on that path. The third value I'd like to share is one that we call off-road. And off-road, we define it as expand your comfort zone and explore bold new paths every day. If you want to do something better and different, you're going to have to take some risks and you're going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable and get uncomfortable being comfortable, right? Like, how do you stretch all the time and at the same time maintain safety? But being comfortable and being safe are two different things and we obviously can dig into that a little bit more. The fourth value that I'd like to share is all in. Right? And the way we define all in is to live profoundly committed to building a better way together. That's really you know about commitment and about staying true to our purpose, right? to do whatever we need to do to, to support that purpose. There's two more values and they're critically important. Not one of these values is more important than the other. They all go together. The fifth value is what we call like family. And it's important that we say like family. Like we're not saying that a barca is literally the same as your family, right? We're saying it's like family. And the way that we define like family, is very important. You know, and look, families have their dysfunction too, right? <laughs> Um, as, as I'm sure everybody listening here can you know, laugh about when they think about their own families. Like family is to care about each other's success as deeply as we care about our own success. Right? It's really thinking about how do I make somebody else successful? That is like family. That's the essence of what we mean by like family. And finally, shake it off. You know, like Taylor Swift, right, which whenever I say shake it off, I think of her as singing, singing the song. I won't sing it for you on the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, shake it off is celebrate often, shrug off stumbles, laugh at ourselves, and have fun. Life is way too short, and healthcare is way too complicated not to shake it off all the time. You know, a lot of your core values, I think, also just reflect the experience of entrepreneurship. The entrepreneurs are certainly in the throes of a lot of challenges. And I love how your culture that you've created frames that type of mentality. Staying on the topic of culture for a second, but perhaps from a branding and marketing perspective, what role does culture play in attracting new employees? It's a great question. As far as we see it, it's the most critical part. You know, marketing is all about telling a story and branding as well. How do you create images, icons, you know, messages that tell a story? But that story that you tell needs to be an authentic story. Certainly, it can have a piece that's aspirational, right? I mean, we, we always, you know, have a little bit of stretch, and it's important to live into that possibility. And at the same time, it needs to be mostly authentic, right? And I think that that's what differentiates culture and values, and that's where your employer brand really takes on meaning. If you're going out there and putting a bunch of collateral on LinkedIn or, you know, Indeed, 
talking about how amazing you know everything is and you know, then people come work and they say wait a minute there's an inconsistency here right that really undermines your employer brand and so how do you figure out how to tell that story in a way that shows the best of what's possible and at the same time maintains that authenticity i think that that's been kind of our goal and we've really honed it you know we we're not perfect and you know sometimes in our marketing collateral whether it's videos done by our employees or other things you know they're not they're not right perfect right we leave we leave room uh, for 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 you know for different perspectives you know we want to show our diversity you know and how different people live our values in in different ways and so so far it's been extremely successful we've um, you know we've hired with probably in the last two to three years we've gone from 200 to we just crossed 500 employees we'll probably hire another hundred you know in the next year or so. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, it's not just about attracting talent. It's about attracting talent in which there's a mutual fit, right? Talent that, you know, labor market for, for talented folks is pretty competitive, right? And you know, thanks to COVID and, and all the remote and hybrid working, I mean, you know, now physical location is much less of a, of a limitation in terms of where somebody can work. And so you know, you're competing globally for talent that's in your local marketplace or vice versa. So that, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on, you know, that total rewards package that, you know, that total benefits and compensation package that high uh, potential and, and high talent folks expect. And frankly, like many, many of the best people out there have multiple options that are going to pay them as much or, or more, as much or even more than you might be able to pay them based on where your business is. So. At the end of the day, you want people to, to join your effort that join it, not because of what you pay them in compensation and benefits, but in terms of what this means for their life. This choice about where, where people spend their time and who they spend it with, is this a purpose worth pursuing? Right? Is this a company worth spending a piece of my life with? And that really is communicated through the employer brand and through how the culture is told through stories, as well as, you know, people, even when they do come to the organization, they're going to be called all the time, right? If they're, you know, if they're high talent people and your organization is recognized as, a, as the best employer in your space, you know, and for them to say, listen, I don't even want to hear what you have to offer mm-hmm. me because I'm in a bargain, right? Like, it's not about the money. I'm here for a bigger purpose. Like, that's what your employer brand is really all about. Yeah. And I mean, Jason, I have to say, Abarca's branding is on point. Uh, as a marketing person myself, and for those interested in seeing an example of great branding, I'm going to add a free plug to Abarca's website. Your team is truly accomplished, I think, what it means to really build a brand that resonates with that dynamic and innovative culture with purpose, as you mentioned. So... You also mentioned that, you know, Abarca has grown rapidly in just a few years. Congratulations. What's your secret? Perhaps focus on the talent acquisition aspect. I've heard you mention something before I think is really important to note when it comes to building a sustainable team, which is that scaling a company doesn't happen in a linear way. Could you expand on that? Absolutely. Definitely nothing is linear in entrepreneurship. You know, it doesn't even look like the stock market because you know, the stock market doesn't go backwards. <laughs> you know, it just goes goes up and down, but we go backwards. You know, what, what I would say to you is, you know, I'm not going to reiterate the piece on the purpose and the culture and the values, but that's the beginning and you have to build on top of that. That's where I would always start. You know, that's what attracts 
the kind of people that attract more kind of people. It's that talent, virtual cycle, virtuous cycle of talent that, that, that you referenced at the beginning. You know, I think that it starts with having an awesome people team, awesome talent strategy team. And like, we're blessed. You know, we have an amazing leader there. She's been with us for uh, almost five years. And you know, the truth of the matter is, is that, that you know, her leadership and the team that she's put together really you know, makes a big difference. You know, talent strategy or people operations or HR, whatever you want to call it, like for me, it's the most important part of any company. And, and that's consistent. So whether it's the, the tools that they have in terms of HR information systems, applicant tracking systems, right? Like the, the tools that they have are important. Second, understanding the balance between internal talent acquisition folks and external search firms is really important, right? Like it may be worth it to work with external search firms for key positions, but not all external search firms are created equal. So you really have to make sure that you vet and understand that there's an alignment between that firm and the purpose and values that you're trying to, you know, you're trying to um, to, to, to hire for, right? And so we've had great experiences and terrible experiences with external search, but when you're scaling rapidly, especially with, with senior uh, folks, it's, it's important to have the right partnerships there. Finally, having a, a structured, tiered interview process, I think, is critical. And we made, you know, mistakes in our recruiting. We recruited folks that aren't a cultural fit. And by the way, like the sooner you figure that out, and the sooner you, you, you know, you, you support that person in their next career journey, the better it is for you, and the better it is for that person, right? So not not avoiding those difficult conversations is a critical part of pruning the garden, right? Sometimes you know you think you're growing a plant, but it dies, or there's a weed, and you know, like for the benefit of the garden, like you know, we need to we, we may need to remove that plant. Um, but you know that should be the the very small number of cases, and you have to track that. You track your turnover, voluntary, involuntary, right? Um, regrettable, non-regrettable. You know, understanding what that balance is in terms of the the number of interviews, how many are panels, how many are, are individual. Right? You don't want to exhaust candidates. You don't want the process to take a long time. But at the same time, like you really want to make sure that there's a fit. And so we found that by doing, we actually do panel interviews a lot of times. In many, many cases, we have people who are going to report to the person being hired, interview them, right? And that's a little bit unconventional, but you know, this is a team effort and, and everybody needs to be on board and everybody sits from a different perspective and can really give input. Finally, as I mentioned on the interview process and the applicant tracking system, there are, you know, we core values, right? We train people how to interview and we train them how to assess core values. We help them with practice and with questions. And so over time, you know, as we analyze the data, we've, we've become more and more effective. Yeah. You know, maybe to that point, as part of Abarca's growth, you've been adding members to the leadership team specifically. You talked about how in the recruitment process, you're having people that are potentially going to be reporting to this person to interview them. I love that approach. But could you elaborate on maybe your approach on finding someone at at the C-suite level. Absolutely. So we have multiple approaches there. The first one is we like to find diamonds in the not so rough. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, we're the kind of organization in some cases that likes to take people who are just about ready to jump to the next level and give them an opportunity that they're not prepared for. Okay. Or at least they don't think that they're prepared for. Um, and we've done that both with folks outside the organization and inside the organization. That's the first thing. Um, so a good number of our C-suite today came up within the organization and other, others came from outside. The second thing is we hire 
about in equal parts from the industry and from totally different industries. Okay. You need to have some level of industry knowledge and experience, like you know, at least in healthcare, it's way too complicated to have everybody come with none. Um, at the same time, to do something different, you have to bring different kinds of thinking. And so, you know, for, from other industries. So we've, I think we've done a nice job of looking in both places. And, and finally, as I said before, right, finding the right executive search firm or firms to be your partner and to really be aligned is critical for seed level talent. It may seem expensive to pay, you know, a third of their compensation uh, upfront, but just think about how expensive it is to hire the wrong C-level person and have them on board and then have to hire another one, you know, down the road. It's, it's probably 10 times or 20 times as expensive. So, you know, it's, it's definitely an investment that, that's worthwhile. And Jason, you know, I sit obviously in the Northwest Arkansas office, but I touch base with several of the other regional offices. And the question is whether or not to bootstrap, to take capital. That goes hand in hand with structures of leadership teams. And so your insights on that as a company who has bootstrapped would be really valuable to those considering the options right now. Abarcus. A little unique in the Endeavor world in the sense that we've gotten to a pretty decent level of scale through bootstrapping. The reason why we've been able to do it is because it took us a long time. There would have been no way that we would have gotten to where we've gotten in three or five years, right? It took us 15 years, right, to get to where we're getting. And, you know, for me, that was the right journey. And I started when I was just out of college. And so I'm still in my in my mid-30s now and, and have a lot of gas left in the tank. And I honestly feel like we're still in the early innings of what we want to do. If I knew then what I know now, would I do it differently? Possibly. Right. So I have, there's benefits to bootstrapping, right, in terms of, you know, having control, not being diluted, right, like not spending a lot of energy and time, you know, thinking about investors. And at the same time, you know, it's, it's being an entrepreneur and a CEO is lonely, right? It's even lonelier when you don't have uh, a board. And so what, what are some of the other ways to, to deal with it that we've done? You know, first of all, like leveraging your personal and business network, right? Like I'm son of an entrepreneur. My dad's been a great mentor to me. And, and you know, that in the early years was, was critical, right? So, you know, don't be embarrassed to, to ask people for advice and don't also don't be attached to listening to them, right? Just because they share it doesn't mean you have to believe it or do it, but it's certainly good to have that, you know, input in your mind. Secondly, like surround yourself with, with uh, effective paid advisors, right? Whether they're financial advisors, whether they're consultants, right? Like there's a lot of people with a lot of experience who don't need to formally be on your advisory or direct board of directors, but they can, can play that role in an ad hoc way. And finally, and this is something that, that I continue to do, you know, continue, uh, there's just two more things. Third is continue investing in your personal and professional development. We have uh, a group of executive coaches that have been working with our team for about six years now, coaching me and other senior leaders and, and other leaders in the organization. And they've been critical in terms of at least the people element really, you know, being almost that that you know, critical group of, of advisors on personal and professional development. And finally, working with peer organizations, right? Young President's organization has a forum concept, it's critical. It's like a personal professional board of directors, 
you know, obviously it's not just for you, it's, it's to give to others, but you learn a lot from, as much from giving as you do from receiving. You know, EO is an entrepreneur's organization, and I mean, honestly, the most premier organization in the world uh, for high-impact entrepreneurs, you know it. Endeavor, right? Endeavor is, is critical in this regard. Your local office can, can set you up with mentors uh, and advisors, and, you know, should you be part of the Outliers program, um, you know, there's a lot of peer-to-peer -peer opportunities and mentoring as well. So really, I don't think any of these things are mutually exclusive, and it's just a question of, you know, the question that, that the entrepreneur asks themselves is, is this worth my time? And the answer is absolutely. It's like when people who are hesitating to participate in the endeavor selection process, they always wonder, like, is this too much time? Is it worth the time? And when you're on the other side, it's like, of course it's worth your time, right? But it's hard to see. So, you know, these other these other things are, are these other strategies are, are equally meritorious, it, you know, but leverage your endeavor network to get curated recommendations so you don't waste time working with folks who might not be the best. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's going to be incredibly helpful for entrepreneurs listening in. We have a couple of Endeavor segments. Uh, the founder of Endeavor, Linda Rodenberg, has always said, call me crazy, crazy is a compliment. So we like to ask each guest on our show, what has been your call me crazy moment? First of all, I love Linda. She's amazing. And having the, I read her book. It's, it's a great read if you haven't read it. You know, those of us who are, you know, aspire to be high impact entrepreneurs, it's like a manifesto and really fun in many ways. And so I've been called crazy so many times and I never thought of it as a compliment until I read uh, Linda's book. <laughs> um, where do I start? Just the notion that, you know, a, uh, you know, a person in their early 20s not knowing anything about health insurance, not knowing anything about pharmacy benefit management was going to build a company in Puerto Rico, uh, a place that was on the beginning of a 10-year economic debacle, right, and, and uh, bankruptcy, <laughs> debt restructuring, a little island in the middle of the Caribbean that's a colony of the United States, um, you know, that we were going to build a business there in the most complicated industry with giant incumbents that, you know, have a huge moat and control and scale, have 75% of the market, and that we would build something that, you know, would be able to compete on a national scale and have four million lives, you know, and be on the path to having 10 million people that we serve. Uh, that's pretty crazy. And a lot of people, especially those first, I don't know, 10 or 20 no's that we got when we were pursuing our customers and they just laughed at us, right? No, no to even having the conversation, but then, you know, once we got invited to a couple of, of you know, procurement processes, you know, no thank you, you're very far away from anything that we might possibly imagine, you know, to be, to be a, a you know, well-respected at scale change agent in the industry. I mean, that's pretty crazy. I would say successfully crazy. So congratulations to you and your team. And lastly, something quick and digestible for our guests. We have a few rapid fire questions that our listeners want to know about our guests. So name a company and CEO that most inspires you. Endeavor, Linda Rottenberg. She most inspires me, honestly. I could say, you know, Elon Musk for his giant vision, believing that the impossible is possible. You know, I don't know him personally. I, I've read a couple of his tweets and you know heard a few things about you know his management style. Maybe I have a different approach in terms of the people's Side, but you know he's got to be admired for what he's done from a product perspective and from a world perspective. You know Satya Nadella walking into a company that global giant went through a significant decline and has turned it into a most respected, most authentic 
global game changer at that scale. I mean, that that authentic leadership based on purpose at, at that level of scale. I mean, you got to take your hat off to him, you know, but I still stick with Linda. You know, I'm, I'm a fan. We're pretty big fans, too. What are you reading or listening to right now? Well, I have three, three small boys, you know, three, five and seven. So, you know, I do a lot of reading of goodnight books and listen to a lot of fighting. Uh, but, but, you know, when I when I do have a little bit of time to, to, to read and listen on my on my own side right now, I'm reading a book on negotiation. Uh, it's called Never Split the Difference. My brother recommended it to me and it's opened up my eyes to to what negotiations are all about. And I highly recommend it to to the audience. What's some of the best business advice you've ever received? I've gotten a lot of great advice and a lot of bad advice. It's sort of hard to know which is which, is which when you get it. What, what, I, what I would say is, this is probably the advice that I got from my executive coach. His name is Dave Brown, and uh, I really appreciate him. The, the gist of it is, when you're leading, when you're leading an organization, when you want to see something different happen, like when there's something that's not working the way that you hoped it worked or you see a challenge or something that really triggers you and is really weighing on you, chances are that the issue that you have is within you, right? It's within yourself. And if you start by looking at yourself and understanding yourself as an individual and as a leader, and you go first in terms of changing the behaviors and thinking that's really you want to see different, it's often the most successful way in creating a change and a transformation both in the organization and how you feel about the situation. I completely agree with that sentiment. And in fact, I think I read that in a book last night (laughs) talking about how the battle of the mind is one of the largest wars that we will fight. Jason, this has been incredibly insightful. And I know entrepreneurs listening are going to gain a lot of knowledge and appreciate some of the advice and experiences that you've shared. So thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to following following your success. Thank you, Jessica. It's been really fun. It's been an honor and and a privilege. And I just want to say to all those entrepreneurs out there, uh, so, so admire you, you know, keep, keep fighting the good fight. Special thanks to Jason for joining us on the show. For more information about this episode, head to the multiplier effect podcast.org. And for those interested in learning more about Abarca, head to LinkedIn at Abarca Health. I've heard they're hiring.